Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Greetings to you, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus our Lord. My name is Rogers Atwebembile, the director of Africa Center for Apologetics Research, a ministry whose goal is to equip God's people for the defense of their faith, for discernment, and for cult evangelism. A ministry that seeks to help believers across the world, particularly in Africa, to know what they believe, why they believe what they believe, and how they can ably communicate what they believe with others. I will be speaking to you today from Paul's letter to the Colossians, part two of Can Christians Be Deceived? Brothers and sisters, we began to look at a very important topic that I believe is worth listening to by everybody who calls himself Christian. The question that can Christians be deceived? Can believers be led into error? Is it possible to innocently or ignorantly find yourself in a cultic group even when you do not intend to? We opened Paul's letter to the Colossians and began to see how the Apostle Paul addresses this important question that we should be asking in our day and age. Can believers or Christians be deceived? The Apostle Paul opens up the letter reminding us that he is speaking to believers, men and women who form the church at Colossae. He identifies them as saints in Christ, as faithful brothers, as men and women who are prayerful and who are Bible readers, who live together in harmony and in fellowship. He commends them in every way. That if you were looking for a picture of a wonderful and true church in our day, you would be going to the church at Colossae. Now what is very shocking is that when Paul comes to chapter 2, he begins by saying, I am concerned. You Colossian brothers, I wish you knew the conflict I have for you. That I want you to know. I want you to have full assurance of what has become yours in Christ Jesus. And in verse 4 he adds, The reason I want you to know is so that you will not be deceived. Why does the Apostle Paul say that, the, that he warns them so they will not be deceived? Does that mean the Apostle Paul is saying that being deceived is a possibility even when you are a Christian? Now you guessed it right. The Apostle Paul is saying yes. That yes, even believers can be deceived. They may be anointed. They may have spent many years in Christianity. They may be reading their Bible. They may be part of a church fellowship. But if they lack what we call biblical discernment, if they cannot tell the difference between truth and error, Paul says they are likely to be deceived. Why will they be deceived? Because there are teachers among them, special teachers, by the way, Teachers who are intelligent and smart, who use plausible, seemingly convincing arguments to delude them or deceive them and take them away from their foundation in the faith of Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? That they are men among us. These men may call themselves pastors or prophets or apostles or diviners or seers or mighty men of God in our generation. By whatever title they go by, 
The Apostle Paul is saying that they have convincing arguments that look almost right but are not. Their intention is to deceive you, twist the scriptures, and lead you astray. And the Apostle Paul says, see to it that you are not led astray. Which is why believers today, as in any other age, must have their eyes open, must be critically discerning, must know what they believe, that they may not be led into error. Now, in this second part, we will be looking at Colossians chapter 2 from verses 6 to 9, as Paul continues his exposition of the danger of deception and the answer to that deception being discernment and discipleship. Listen to how Paul addresses this challenge and how he is going to provide solutions for it and what you and I can learn from Paul's teaching to the church at Colossae. From verse 6 he says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Verse 9, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. What we find in this passage is the Apostle Paul's call to the Colossian believers to deepen themselves in their faith, what today we would call biblical discipleship. The Apostle Paul has begun by saying, Brothers, I want you to know. I want you to be discerning. Number two, he has given them the reason as to why they need to be discerning. He has said, Because deceptive teachers are among you. Men and women with a goal to deceive you are in your midst, and they are very convincing, and they are not easily detected. I want you to discern. And now number three, the Apostle Paul is going to tell them that the medicine or the antidote for deception is discipleship. The case that Paul, the Apostle Paul wants to make is that when believers are discipled, when believers are grounded in their faith, they are able to discern what is true from what is not. They are able to discern right from wrong. And because they are able to discern, they are able to stay away from deception. That is the case the Apostle Paul is making. He is saying that biblically grounded disciples are discerning. And in their discernment, they are able to detect deception and defend their faith from every form of error. That is the case that the Apostle Paul is making, and he hopes that we will need to know this. Oh, how I pray for believers in our country today. Can you imagine a country like Uganda? If all believers, men and women who claim to be followers of Christ, if all of them were truly and fully discipled, if all of us were able to discern truth from error, if all of us knew what we believe well enough that we can defend it when we are faced with opponents and critics of our faith, what a church that would be. What a powerful church that would be. 
No wonder the apostle Paul saw the same in the church at Colossi and he calls them saints and faithful brothers. And yet he does not desist it from warning them that they must not only be firm, they must continue to be. Because if they do not, they are likely to be led into error. In from verses 6 to around verses 9, the apostle Paul tells them, that the medicine for being discerning or the medicine for being able to stay away from deception is believers at Colossi being discipled. And how is that process of discipleship supposed to take place? He says that as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The way you received Christ Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, the Apostle Paul says that's how you must continue to live and to relate with Jesus. Now, why is this important? It is important, especially in our day, because so many people have a wrong view of how people get saved. Do you know today that we have churches that teach that you can be saved by grace, but you need to live by the works of the law? Do you know that today we have individuals and groups that will tell you that Jesus finished his work of saving you, now you must maintain your salvation by what you do and what you don't do. And what we have here is a system of works that we call legalism, where believers who have known Christ Jesus as their Savior and Lord have gone back to the Old Testament laws and regulations, and now you will hear believers telling you, if you eat pork, you will not go to heaven. If you eat this kind of food, you will not be saved. If you cut your hair short, you will not be a Christian. If you marry so and so, you will not be a Christian. They have built a system of do's and and don'ts that are additional to the gospel of God's saving grace in Christ Jesus, and eventually what they have is a salvation of grace plus works. Did you know that that's not the teaching of scripture? And how many of your friends, or your brothers and sisters, or even your loved ones do you know, who are living like that, claiming that Jesus finished his work of saving you on the day you got saved, and now you must figure out how to live your own Christian life as an individual. May I put it to you, my friends, that salvation has never been of grace plus works, but salvation has always been all of grace. That the God who once saved you is the God who sustains you, gives you the grace that enables you to say yes to what is good and no to what is wrong and what is in error, and that the same grace must keep you until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says that just as you began by submitting and surrendering to Jesus Christ, so must you continue. When you start thinking that now you are above and beyond how you began, that now you can be a Christian by yourself, by your own self-effort, you have already missed the gospel of God's grace. Paul says that believers who have been saved by grace must continue to be sustained by that same grace. Jesus must remain the Lord of their lives in every aspect of their lives, and they must remain at all times in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Anything you add on top of Jesus is ultimately an insult to what Jesus has done. And I am sure you agree with me that you know already a number of churches and groups that we call cultic, groups that continue to distort the identity of Jesus either by adding something on him or by subtracting on him and the Jesus they end up with is not the Jesus that we find in the scriptures.
Have you heard of people who for instance have said Jesus was a good man but he could not have been God? Do you know people who deny Jesus as being the second person of the Trinity? They may say, well, he was a prophet, yes, he was a good man, sure he did miracles and wonders, but there is no way he could have been God's son or the second person of the Trinity. We have lots of churches and religious groups today that distort the identity of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul says that once you miss it on Jesus, you have been deceived and ultimately unless you turn around and trust Jesus fully for your salvation, you cannot be saved. And that is why later when he talks about Jesus in verse 9, he says that for in Jesus is the whole fullness of deity dwelling bodily in him, that God himself ha has pleased to dwell in Jesus, and in Jesus we see the whole of God as revealed in human flesh. Not only does he say that Jesus is fully God in every aspect and sense of the word, but he says we have been filled with this same Jesus. In other words, we have the fullness of God in us, and therefore God alone is sufficient for us. We do not need to add anything else. Later he will talk about false teachers who come to us in verse 8 and they will want to add human tradition on top of what we have already believed. They will come to convince us through elemental spirits of this world. And the Apostle Paul says, see to it that you are not led astray by those things. See to it that you are not led into captivity. You are not enslaved again by those things that Jesus has already delivered you from. Because anything you need, anything you ever want to be, Anything that will ever lead you into godliness is already found in Christ. And once you have Christ, you have the fullness of it all. You do not need anything in addition to who Jesus is and what he's already doing in your life. Do you now understand why the Apostle Paul calls these Colossian believers not only to fullness in the Lord Jesus, but to faithfulness in as far as walking in him is concerned? The Apostle Paul seems to be saying, that if you stand firm in Jesus Christ and remain faithful in what you have believed about Jesus Christ, you will be fruitful in Jesus Christ. You will be effective in Jesus Christ. You will need nothing else from people who might seemingly look like they are helping you, but actually indirectly seek to deceive you and to take you captive to once what once used to hold you captive before you knew Jesus as Savior and Lord. So how should the believers behave or what do they need to do in order to remain firm in Christ? The Apostle Paul uses some figures of speech that have to do with farming, that have to do with uh, building buildings, and he says, you need to be rooted in Christ, built up in him, and established in the faith. And really, when you think about that carefully, that is what Christian discipleship is really about. That Christian discipleship is about believers, converts who have embraced Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, being grounded in the truth of the scriptures. Paul says in what you have been taught, you need to be rooted in it, to be built up in him according to what you were taught. That believers who come to Jesus Christ must not only stop there, but must begin to grow in Christ Jesus. And how do they grow? By being grounded in truth. For
wants to grow up and become taller, it must deepen its roots into the ground. In the same manner, believers must deepen their roots in the word of God, for in the word of God are directions, guidelines, and guidance for true Christian living. That when Christians know about Christ and know his truth and how that truth enables them to live Christ-like lives, they are not only able to stand firm and faithfully, but they are able to defend their faith when it is being distorted by false teachers and cultists. The Apostle Paul is saying that when believers are grounded in their faith, they automatically grow in grace. That when believers know what is true, it will be easy for them to know what is false and therefore stay away from it. That Christian discipleship is the medicine against deception. That if you want to stand firm against the false teachers of our day, as wise and crafty as they may be, you need to deepen your roots in Christ. You need to grow up and be built up in Him. And as you continue to grow and to walk in Him just as you began on the day you got saved, not only will you be firm about what it is that you believe, but you will faithfully stand by it and you will faithfully and fervently defend it from anything that it may look like but actually is not. What are some of these things that are likely to take us into captive? The Apostle Paul shed some light on them briefly. He says these things may come in the form of philosophy, but which really is empty deceit. That while it looks like wise words, while it looks like insightful revelation, it is actually empty and is not founded in Christ. We live in a generation, unfortunately today, one that I would call a generation of extra-biblical revelation. Believers who are looking for God's communication above and beyond the Bible. Believers who are looking in the sky and they are waiting and wondering why God is not releasing new revelation for our day. While they will remain with closed Bibles in their hands. While complaining that God has kept quiet, they have his word and will that they have never known, never read, never opened. You can now see where we are heading, my friends. That when you have believers who are looking for revelation that is above and beyond the Bible, and sometimes contradicts what God has already said, such people are vulnerable to the deception of our age. Today we have believers who are looking for recent and fresh revelation. They are looking for prophets who will tell them whom they will marry, when they will marry, which job they will have, how much money they will earn, whether they will die young or old, whether they will be pregnant and give birth to babies who are girls or boys. And they are looking for all the nitty gritty of the so-called revelation. But what they don't realize is that God has not only already spoken, God has finally spoken. In the book of Hebrews, we are told that while in the past, God spoke to us in various ways and in different, at different times through uh, prophecies and dreams and visions. Now he has finally spoken to us by his son. What does the writer of Hebrews mean when he says he has finally spoken to us by his son? He's saying that Jesus has become the climax of God's revelation. That indeed anything you want to know of God, anything you want to know pertaining the will of God, you need to look at Jesus. That Jesus is the perfect embodiment of God's will and revelation that mankind needs today for their salvation. The Apostle Paul, I believe, was in sync with the writer of Hebrews when he says that in Christ is the fullness of deity bodily. 
that the all of God has been wrapped up in Jesus Christ. That when you have a relationship with Jesus, you have uh, the fullness of God in Jesus Christ. You have everything you need in Christ Jesus. He points to the fact that Jesus is not only fullness of God, but he has filled us, and this Jesus is the head of all rule and authority. Are you looking for spiritual power against demons and powers of darkness? What you need is not a prophet or an apostle to pray for you. What you need is to come to Jesus, because Jesus is the head of all rule and every authority. Are you looking for riches? Riches that don't only last in this world but have an eternal legacy. Come to Jesus because in him is found all the treasures. Are you looking for, uh, for a good marriage that honors the Lord? Come to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can give you a marriage that honors the Lord. He is the center of it all. He is the head of it all. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And when you lose sight of Jesus and you begin to follow an apostle or a prophet like we are seeing in our day, you have missed it. Today we have people who are praying in the name of the, the God of the prophet so and so. Today you hear me, I believe in the prophet, the God of the prophet so and so. I pray in the name of the God of apostle so and so. They no longer pray or relate with the God of the Bible. They only relate with the God only as he is defined by their prophet. What happens when that prophet is wrong? And indeed many times they are. Because their prophecies, revelations and teachings often contradict the teaching of scriptures. The apostle Paul is saying they will deceive you. They will take you captive with empty deceit and philosophy. Things that look like wisdom and insight and revelation. But actually which are not founded on the scriptures. The Apostle Paul says that you could also be taken captive by human tradition. Traditions, behaviors, norms and cultures of men that have been Christianized. Do you know it is possible for you to think you are a Christian when you are actually just a cultural man who has had Christianized culture and terminology? Do you know it is possible for you to be a non-believer who speaks Christian language? It is possible for you to be a nominal Christian who knows the do's and the don'ts of church, but you have never had a personal relationship and experience with Christ Jesus. And trust me, those are the many believers we have in our churches today. Men and women who speak the language but have never experienced the spirit and the relationship of what it means to walk with Jesus. Do you know that today we have so many people who have replaced scripture with their traditions and rituals? That today you could go to a church where Jesus is rarely mentioned or even never mentioned and all you have are the do's and the don'ts. Do this, behave this way, sing this way, stand up, sit down, close your eyes and pray, raise your hands, put in the offertory basket and you could have all those rituals performed. You could burn candles and blow them. You could have pieces of cross, uh, of the cross of Jesus and the symbols of Jesus crucified on the wall. But what happens when your relationship doesn't go further than that? What happens when all you have is a wooden piece of timber in your house or church of a crucified man whom you have never had a relationship with? Human tradition can very easily replace Christian living and, and, and power that you could be somebody who seemingly looks like Christian but who lives by the rituals and the dictates of men that are lifeless. Would you come to Jesus? The Apostle Paul says the answer is in Jesus. 
If you read from verse 10 onwards, he begins to explain who Jesus is and what you gain when you come to Jesus. You will read a lot where the Apostle Paul is saying, For in him, for in him, for in him, for through him, for by him, that indeed Jesus is the fullness of everything you will ever imagine or ever want. That when you come to him, not only will you find forgiveness of sins, but the record of your sins will be cancelled. In him you will be raised from the dead to eternal life. In him your sins will be taken away and you will experience God's righteousness. In him all the powers and authorities and rulers of this dark world have been disarmed. That Christ Jesus, whom you have come to believe, have triumphed over every powers and over every spirits, and he is the only victor that can deliver the victory that you so much desperately long for. The Apostle Paul says that the medicine for deception is discipleship in Christ Jesus. That if you really want to be a discerning Christian, who can tell truth from error, you must know Jesus. And for you to know Jesus, you must not only continue in him, you must be rooted in him, you must be built up in him, you must be walking in him. And that is what Christian discipleship is about. So many Christians unfortunately remain young converts, no matter how many years they have known Jesus, unable to know his will, and therefore susceptible to error. But the Apostle Paul calls the Colossian believers as well as we Christians living today that we may not only desire to be discerning, but we may desire to be deepened in the word of God, in the knowledge of his truth, for only by knowing his truth can we be set free. Jesus, the answer to deception. Jesus, the means to discernment. Jesus, the only way to enable us to defend our faith. Jesus, the only one who can deliver us and bring us into an eternity fellowship with the father never to be the same again do you know him are you deep in him have you learned about him well enough to defend your faith i pray that you will know jesus and in knowing jesus you will defend yourself and you will protect yourself from more harm that comes from deceptive false teachers may the lord bless you as again you continue to think through these things to learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.